Hi, this is Violet Lang. Welcome to my podcast, The Pleasure Path, all about love, dating, relationships, and femininity. I help successful spiritual women find their pleasure and their power to create healthy partnership. In this episode, I interview special guest Christine Malsbury on fashion, sensuality, and self-care. She brings a unique perspective to transformation from the outside in. Welcome, everyone. I am so blessed and grateful to be here with my dear friend and inspiration, Christine. And I am going to let her introduce herself and share a little bit more about who she is, what she's passionate about. And we're going to dive into the topic of beauty and sensuality. Thank you so much. I'm super, super happy to be here. It's like always an honor and a pleasure to be asked to kind of share what you're passionate about, and especially with someone. Uh, with whom I feel so aligned. So it it feels really different to get to share something when I know what your values are and I feel like we have the same values and uh, we're doing this really aligned work. So I am grateful for the grateful for the invitation. Um, so my name is Christine Malsbury. I am I call myself a style consultant uh, and I do image consulting work, image assessment work styling work and I support women to create capsule wardrobes which are mindful intentional wardrobes full of pieces that light them up and when I say full of um, they are more on the minimalist side so I recommend wardrobes that are smaller but the pieces are each uh, of such extraordinary quality and the wardrobe itself hangs together really well because all the pieces work with one another that you're able to actually have incredible presence, incredible style, and feel really confident every day and connect to people around you. But to have something that's uh, manageable and and minimal, um, yeah. So yeah, so that's what I do. Um, that's kind of the lead. And then the, the background of that is that I support women into uh, radiant embodiment and into... Uh, artistic spirit. So those are part of the pillars of the work is that through getting dressed, women uh, can access their inner artists and really show and share on the outside their artistic heart. Um, And then the embodiment piece is that through clothing, women are able to access their bodies and thus their femininity. And I know that's a, a passion that both you and I really share. Um, I will say that I, I had a, a, a life before this life, um, which has also given me a little bit of a different spin on the styling work, which is I was a, uh, an anthropologist in an education and learning. So I looked um, really deeply at culture and I was specifically interested in multiculturalism. So part of uh, what has been really powerful with the work that my team and I have been doing with our, our company, which is called the Brazen Beauty Movement, um, is we're also supporting women to work through identities and particularly at this time uh, of global work when uh, women of influence are, you know, in multiple places speaking to a diverse global clientele um, have had, you know, big lives through different kinds of trajectories. We have a lot of our clients who come to us to say, you know, I'm a mom and I used to do this kind of work and now I do that kind of work and I've lived in this country and I have that language and I'm, I have these cultural affiliations. And so um, I bring this like anthropological lens or anthropological set of tools to think about what is your identity 
And how are you connecting through the pieces of clothing that you wear to community uh, and, um, and which communities are you speaking to? So that's a really kind of important part of what we do as well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Christine. It's so beautiful to hear your journey and your passion and how deeply you're helping women find themselves through these different avenues. So I'm, I'm curious what turned you on to work so directly with beauty and with art? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Um, it was out of my own personal loss. I, I, sh- I was an artist child and um, it was encouraged and I, I loved fashion and I, I began to sew really early on. I loved to make things with my hands. I, I had these beautiful dolls that our mother got us um, with a skin color that was supposed to represent uh, all of the colors of the world. So it was this beautiful sort of brown color and, and I would make this doll clothes and I would just spend hours and hours and hours doing this work. And then um, in, in my undergraduate, I studied art history um, and I had a series of, of kind of losses in my personal life that um, brought me in my mid-20s to really losing my confidence. And so I, I shut down on my artist self because the artist self is a, is a free and expressed self and, and I needed to feel safe. You know, I needed to feel contained. And so um, I chose to go into a profession uh, education that in many ways had a lot of kind of like security and safety. Um, and, and it was one, there were parts of, there were parts of being an educator that were absolutely wonderful. I loved the kids and loved the teachers. Um, and yet I was always kind of struggling with the safety in the container that I'd set for myself. Right. I mean, if you think about a teacher, you this really regimented schedule. It was like, I had to be at work by, you know, eight Oh five to start that eight, 12 AM class. And you would get out of this, you know, it's very specific, very precise. And so the kind of wild creative inner soul was like, I want this and I'm, and I'm also want to break out of it at the same time. And this just compounded over years and years and years. And so um, I went through a really profound kind of transformation a couple of years ago where um, I, I allowed myself the space finally after, out of a, after a lot of years of shutting this down to say, you know, instead of reacting, if I were to operate from a space of full creation, absolute creation, what would I want my life to look like? Who would I want to be? And, you know, I went back to what, what my, one of my greatest passions has always been fashion and style. And, um, I knew that that's what I wanted to work with. Um, there's an added layer here that I did not think that style was something that intellectual women could access. And it was very intellectual. I was an educator. I ended up getting a PhD and I ended up working at some of the top colleges, uh, in the country and getting these really like really prestigious fellowships. And, um, I was in an environment where to be smart didn't equal being pretty or being beautiful or being, um, and to be successful as a woman meant, um, in, in some ways cutting off your femininity. And so there was this like battle inside me to say, well, if, if I'm a fully expressed woman, what does this mean? Can I be smart and pretty? Do I get to do that? You know, to, to be a little bit reductive, just to use those terms, right? Like, can I be both smart and pretty? And, um, and so, you know, when I started my company, it was like, how do I, how do I be all of who I am 
and, and open up space for other women to be all of who they are. And it's been really interesting. The clients we attract tend to be women who have also been on that journey, right? Like women who are, you know, we work with women who are like just brilliant, like, like brilliant and cool and have big professional purposes on their heart, but their own beauty has been neglected in some way because we, we have been socialized to think that you have to make these choices. And so, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'll, I'll pause there. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I love that you're giving so much permission to women, not that they need our permission, but inviting women to step into their fullness and their radiance and their possibility versus thinking this or, or it needs to be one way. And it is part of our society. And I also think it's part of the masculine to have single pointed focus. And then we can apply that to our identity of, I need to only be one single thing versus having so much freedom. So with your clients and with yourself, how do you inspire or educate them on having both the fullness, but also having their own signature essence, their own signature, you know, look? Yeah, that's a great question. I love that question. So um, I created this process for myself and, and worked with it a couple of different times. And it, it actually comes out of the world of costume design. So I, I pull out all sorts of different um, I, I like that you just talked about the male being more single focused and the female having that multifaceted awareness, because I realize I also bring that to styling itself. I mean, we could use the word styling, but really I'm doing costume design. I'm doing image consulting. I'm doing, you know, all of these different things from within that world itself, right? Even like merchandising, we think about uh, so many different things. So um, it comes from the world of costume design, but I really support women almost to think about themselves as their own, the own character of their life. So who, who do you want to be? And then what does she look like? And um, I think the, the major, major piece that I give to women that's so important is I, I, I try to help women to tap into, as I had to tap into, the truth of who they want to be without all the voices that say no, no, that, no, not that. On a really practical level, I work with women to create these mood boards and I'll say, um, you know, when you're selecting images for your mood board, which we then go over and analyze and, and I support women to create a signature style um, out of that, as you are picking out the images that you want to go in there, don't self-censor, right? So I get a lot of women who are like, well, I want to, I want to look like that, but she's too, she's skinny and I'm not. So I'm not going to put that on my mood board or, you know, I want to look like that, but I would never really be able to wear that at work. And that kind of like limiting self-censoring thinking gets in the way of us really wearing our soul, literally using, using the soul's purpose to create the, you know, to, to, to call in the clothes that we're supposed to wear uh, on our body. And so that's, I think, a huge part of, of uh, the work that I, I do with women. Yeah. It's so interesting to me because the same thing happens in my work with women on dating and love is that, well, I want a man like this, but you know, I can't also have this aspect. Like I want him to be faithful, but I still want to be attracted to him. Can I have both? You know, like it's almost that they've conditioned themselves to have a small vision, to be small and narrow minded and not know that they can create whatever they want. They can manifest whatever they want. They can create the relationship that they want. And the same with their expression of themselves through their clothing. So I love the resonance there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I had a client or a, a woman who called me the other day for, you know, talk about possible services. And she said, well, but I have this really restricted wardrobe at work. So 
I, I wouldn't be able to do this and I wouldn't be able to do this and I wouldn't be able to do this. And I was like, you know, you like, first of all, like you gotta, you gotta trust me a little bit, <laughs> you know, if you give me something um, that I can help you translate that into a wearable uh, outfit, right? I think a lot of the fear that women come in with is, are you going to make me look like a fashionista in downtown Manhattan? You know, like I can't look like a fashionista in downtown Manhattan. It's like, you know, no, there's this really sweet spot. And this is at the genius of what we do in my own particular zone of genius, which is like, you come, you just come, you just come with all this amazing thoughts and ideas and colors and pictures and images. And it doesn't even have to be fully self-expressed or like, um, you know, one of the things we ask uh, clients for sometimes is um, what music do you love? You know, give us the music that you love. And then from that, we take that and support you to make it wearable, to have it be something that actually works for you in your everyday life. Um, I love what you're saying about, uh, you know, we, we have these small visions. And I think that's really true. That's part of the, of the patriarchy, if I can use that word. Um, you know, a patriarchy that I believe oppresses both men and women. It's not just uh, oppressing uh, women. And of course, people um, who don't identify as either male or female. But part of the patriarchy is sort of like, let's put you into these little, into these little, you know, stay small, stay small. And let's, um, you know, be at each other's throats about staying small and fight for these little pieces of a pie. Because if we're busy fighting for the little pieces of the pie and like in our small vision, then we don't rise up and overturn this thing that's oppressing us, right? It's like, it's an amazing tool under, uh, you know, racialized patriarchal colonialism to like turn us in on ourselves and turn us in on each other, right? Exactly. And it's even more important now to make a stand for yourself, whether that's wearing what you want that feels delicious and beautiful on your body or speaking your truth or you know, really living life on your terms. We need those voices and those examples. I feel like now more, now more than ever. Yeah. What's your favorite part of the process in helping a woman awaken to her own beauty and sensuality? Mm. There's a moment when her skin starts to glow that, and it's not the skin, it's the inner glow that starts to come out. And, um, I can't get enough of it. It's like, um, it's usually a moment after she sort of has, has, we've gone through the process of creating the authentic signature style. Maybe she's bought one or two outfits. I have other practices that I give to support embodiment that may not make sense in the beginning, but over time women are like, oh, that's why you had me do this thing, you know, but we have to become fully embodied um, uh, in our own, our, our own flesh um, as we're also working with the outside pieces of clothing to bring all of that together. And then there's this moment where it all sort of clicks in and it's just like, like her eyes light up, like her skin starts to glow. It's just like, she just moves into a different space. And I, I know that, you know, that space, it's the space of radiant femininity, you know? And I remember when it happened for me. And I also remember when I when I lose it, right? Because it's, it's a practice. It's a daily practice to be in that radiant femininity. So that's, I just love that moment so much. And then um, what's always really cool to see in our clients is like stuff comes. <laughs> so I believe in radiant femininity for the sake of it, but it's cool when stuff comes to my clients. And by that, I mean, like they start making money, they start having sex with their husbands again. Like it just, I always like, I like to say, I'm like, I save marriages, you know, I'm not a relationship coach. It's not my path. It's not my calling. I honor people who do it. Um, but like, yeah, my clients start having sex with their husbands. That's great side benefit, you know, because when you're in that radiant femininity, it's just like ease, like stuff just starts changing around with, with, um, with very, you know, with, I want to say with a little, 
effort that doesn't totally express it because you do have to do things for it. But um, the things you have to do are very simple as compared to uh, the, 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 the hardship of having to do it the masculine pushing way. Does that make sense? Exactly. Yeah. I always tell my clients it's about tending your own garden. So it's a daily nurturing of your body, your sensuality, your appearance, your connection with others, your vulnerability. And if you're daily nurturing that, it's going to build and show in a way that feels good in the moment versus this Herculean effort that you have to put towards something or like, oh, I'm focused on this goal. It's like, ah, I'm actually just feeling really good and I'm going to do what I need in order to feel good and let that, you know, let that ripple out. That's right. That's right. It's, it's so, um, you know, it's turning the ship around, right? I mean, if you've walked into the middle of a dark wood and it took you 15 years to take that walk <laughs> into the middle of the dark wood, you're not going to be able to turn around and get out in, in a week. You know, it's like, there's, you got to rebuild a lot of things that have been lost. Um, and it's so important to just get on that path and, and then to maintain the path. Once we've kind of achieved that glow and achieved that radiance, it's, it is that constant kind of, uh, you know, I, I like to say that beauty is a, is a discipline. Um, and, and it's a discipline that is worth it because of what it does for a woman. And we're, we've done some strange, strange things around beauty in this society where on the one hand, we've completely popped it out to kind of ludicrousy in terms of the, um, and I, I always want to be really careful when I talk about this because I don't like to shame anyone about the choices that they've made for their own beauty. I think that, you know, I, I believe in women making choices for themselves. But, you know, we, we do have this kind of one set of, of people who are like spending so much money and there's, there's tons of surgery. And again, I don't want to shame anyone for, for, you know, surgery. That's not what this is about. But I think we, I think there is kind of, um, help me, what am I trying to say? It's, it's, it's almost caricature-like, right? Like it's, it's become so exaggerated. And then on the other hand, we've got people who are like, nope, like I'm not participating. Like, like I'm not even going to think about beauty because to think about beauty puts me in that other camp. Right. And I always like to say it's a balance. Like you can care about your beauty. It doesn't make you superficial. Uh, you know, the ocean isn't going around saying, let me dim my light. Let me, let me not be beautiful and, and, and wondrous, right? Like the sky, the starry, night, the starry sky at night isn't like, you know, let me, sh let, let me twinkle less, <laughs> you know? I mean, we are, we are created on this earth to be, to be beautiful. And to, to dim that in some ways is like, you know, spitting in the universe's face. It's like, you know, who, who, who are we to say, no, I won't take this gift, you know? Um, yeah. especially because beauty feeds pleasure and pleasure feeds beauty and we're meant to feel good. You know, we're meant to have a higher vibration emotion. Of course we can go through our shadow elements and our anger and all of those things, but if we're not feeling good, then something, something needs to change. That's right. Including choosing to feel good in the things that may not normally feel good. And then and relishing in that process. I'm imagining there's a point in the journey with the women that you mentor where it's kind of like a snake shedding the skin where they are wrestling with it. They're fighting their resistance. They're working through their old beliefs. And then, you know, that glow you talked about earlier comes about. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely a process of transformation. And I think what makes my work a little bit different than, than other people in the transformation 
space is that I, I do outer work, not necessarily inner work. Right. And so, um, I believe, and, and this comes from, I think my background in physical art making, that there's something about putting the thing on that unlocks uh, the transformation in the body. And so other people work from the inside out, right? So therapists will work on the mind or the consciousness or women like yourself who do embodiment work, you know, sort of work on the body and like the pleasure practices. You know, I, I come into the same issues, but I come in from a different angle, which is build the thing, build the space. And that in and of itself is going to unlock. And I think that comes from my background as an anthropologist, where we looked at context, right? That, that context shapes identity. Um, it's not just the internal, right? And that's um, just a split in the social sciences. I mean, most of the work that we do in transformation comes out of the field of psychology. And the field of psychology has always been about the internal, like individual process. Well, anthropologists look at the collective and the context as the process of change. And so that's what I bring to this. It's like, you know, I always say to women, like, if you want to feel better about your beauty, dress of beautiful clothes, you will automatically feel more beautiful. It just is, <laughs> you know, like you can't like, you can't like think your way into beauty. You have to act your way into beauty, right? Like, um, you know, I was, I was styling one of my, one of my VIP clients in DC a couple of weeks ago and, you know, it's hard to travel. It's like I was in DC and I was staying in a hotel and I was not eating the way that I normally eat. And I came back to California and I felt really depleted and I wanted to reach for a pair of yoga pants. I wanted to reach for a pair of yoga pants, throw that on my body and like roll around in my yoga pants and flip-flops. Well, that's okay for a couple of hours, but then when I need to step into energetically transmitting to clients that beauty is a critical and important thing. I can't roll in in a pair of dirty old yoga pants. It's not going to work, right? So like I, I had to use my own philosophy on myself, which is like, I can't rest on my laurels here. I had to put on a beautiful dress, you know, do my hair, put the, put the, you know, moisturizer on, put the coconut oil on, like do the practices. And then I'm like, oh, actually, I feel a lot better. You know, <laughs> like, it's like a pattern interrupt us, right? Like, when you go down that hole, I call them giving up pants. When you go down that, that rabbit hole of giving up pants, like you put those pants on, and all of a sudden, like, three days have gone by. And then you're just like, I feel horrific, you know, like, interrupt the pattern, build the context, and then your emotional state will align with the context that you built for yourself. It's the same process in the home right? Like we all know, <laughs> you know, if you're walking into your home and it's a mess and it's a disaster and, you know, you don't like your stuff, you don't like your furniture. It's very, very hard to accomplish in that kind of space. It acts on you, right? There's this, uh, there was this philosopher, I did my, my master's in, is in the anthropology of art. And there was this philosopher, Alfred Jell, who literally believed that objects themselves have a consciousness that comes out of Eastern philosophy. In the West, I don't think we think of it in that way. But in Eastern philosophy, it's like they act on us as much as we act on them, right? Yes. And so they're, yeah, right? So like if, we're, if they're acting on us, you know, and I'll just tell one more quick story before I wrap up this thought. You know, when I started my business, I looked around my house and I was like, this apartment is not where a high level global, you know, stylist who's flown all over the world by VIP clients and has a waiting list of a year to sell those people would live. What does it look like? What are the pieces that I need in my home 
in order to be that woman. And I went out and got him. And I'll tell you what, I was starting my business. There wasn't a lot of extra money. And I had, I had a, a lot of pause within myself around spending money on my home at a time when I felt like that wasn't the right move. I should spend on the advertising or I should spend on this or I should spend on that. And it was one of the best things that I did for myself. I also got a client out of it. She walked into my house and was like, I want you to do <laughs> for me what I did. And I was like, I don't actually do interior design. And she was like, I don't care. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. You know, but, um, but yeah, because I would sit in that space every day. I did so much work from home and I would sit in that space and I would be like, I feel great. I feel great in this space. These pieces that I've chosen feel great. And it's, it's the same thing. And I, I know I just said I was going to wrap this up in time for your next question. <laughs> okay. I got so passionate, you know, it's the same thing with clothes. Like I have women who call me and they're like, but I'm an entrepreneur and I work from home. And I'm like, it does not matter, my friends. Now you do not have to be in three inch heels, but like, you know, dresses are basically pajamas. They really are like <laughs> a great dress with a great fabric that feels great on your skin. Like you can move around the house as if you're in given up pants, but you're not in the given up pants. You're in a beautiful, yummy, delicious dress. Do you know what I mean? And then guess what? You're going to have a different feel or kind of consciousness when you're on the phone with your potential clients or when you're, you're working on your backend web design work or when you're sending out that email, you just will. It's such a good, it's such a good point. You made so many good points. And I love this idea of we invest in ourselves, and then the shifts happen. I think the old school mentality and the puritanical mentality is once I've been good enough, then I'll get a reward. And I believe personally, the more feminine and the more just attuned part of ourselves is like, I need to feel good now in order to keep going in order to be in that state of attracting what I am and attracting what I want. And so same thing with the women that I work with. It's like, well, I want to love myself, but I want to invest in myself in order to be able to love myself. And you know that when you make an investment in yourself, it's the best investment you could ever make. I mean, people spend what, $150,000 on grad school or sometimes yeah. even more uh, by the time you add that with your undergrad. And yet we don't learn how to take basic care of ourselves. We don't learn how to dress in a way that feels beautiful. We don't learn how to build relationships. And I believe that some people, of course, are more maybe wired from internal to external or external internal, but we absolutely have to have both. Like I know I hired you and I was at a place in my business where I was already at a really good place, but I was like, I need the outer world to see what a badass I am, like how much I've been doing on the inner world and how proud of myself I am. And also just the sort of uh, clout and clarity and vibrancy that I wanted to bring to all of my interactions, including my husband, including my clients. and so. I just want listeners to know it's not just about doing the inner work or just about doing the outer work. I think we're going in a spiral as we develop and, That's right. and we need both at, at different times. So it's really important to not think that you need X in order to get Y. Like if you're wanting to get Y, you invest in your, I mean, I think I said that the wrong way, but it's basically understanding like you need to invest in yourself to be in the place that you want to be to create what you want. And I feel so passionate about that. I know for myself doing like pleasure quests, like going to Japan just to see the cherry blossoms or going to Paris just oh. because I wanted to be in Paris. It's when we allow ourselves to be in new spaces simply for our own pleasure and delight. And with my own clients as well, like we will have major, major breakthroughs where they say, my boss walked up to me and just gave me a promotion for 
like, really, I was not expecting it. And now I have a $10,000 raise and yeah. I didn't do anything. I'm like, no, but you did do something. You started carrying yourself in a different way. You started loving yourself. You started setting healthy boundaries and not taking crap from people anymore. So I'm just resonating with what you're saying and wanting to add a little more detail to that. That's beautiful. I'm so, I, I love that idea of the pleasure quest to Japan just to see the cherry blossoms. And it does act against that puritanical foundation that we've been raised in where it's sacrifice, 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 which frankly, it doesn't work anymore. If, if that model worked, we wouldn't be in the chaos that we're in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. like we, we tried, it's been some years. Let's give it up now. <laughs> you know, like, like. Well, that, that model works if our desire is to sustain the system, but if it, our desire is to create a unique expression of ourselves and live our fullest life and explore all the nuances of who we are and break out of that system, then we absolutely can't do the punishment first and then reward if I'm a good girl sort of thing. That's, that's so fantastic. Um, I just absolutely love that. And, and what's coming to me also as I'm listening to you is it was, that was in reaction too, right? So like the Puritans came out of reaction to the excesses of Europe. And so we're still in a paradigm that's about reaction instead of creation, mm -hmm. right? And that's what I love about your work and my work and, and the system of women who we are, you know, in dialogue and conversation with, because you're right, you can't just put on a dress and expect that everything's going to get solved. There's, there's an entire dialogue around this issue and we have to work on each and every part. The way we do one thing is the way that we do everything, right? So, um, so I, I, I like that you brought that lens to it. But, you know, if we want to create, we have to create out of the space. And, um, you know, the resistance is huge. The resistance is huge. Um, I, there are few women who I work with who don't have a moment of resistance at some point. Um, usually something happens and I try to track it within myself as well. I mean, I do my own up leveling. I recently decided, you know, only designer clothes from here on out. That's the level I'm at, you know, and, um, you know, not because I need to have, you know, labels showing, although I'm fine with labels. I mean, if you're an artist and making beautiful work, I mean, stamp your work, who cares? You know, <laughs> a lot of these designers are such amazing artists, like, you know, like let's honor them, you know? Um, so not out of that, but more out of a sense of like, you know, just to be real, like, a lot of the designer clothes, like the fabric is like extraordinary and the cuts are extraordinary and the colors are on a different level and the patterns are insane. And I'm just like, I want to be in that. And I'll tell you what, even moving from the bridge brand level, which was the level that I was before operating at, which is the kind of level of clothes, like right underneath designer, but above mass market, right? So it's not your Banana Republic and your, uh, and your um, you know, Gap or whatever. It's more your like theory and your, uh, you know, those sorts of brands. And that's a wonderful level to be at. But even just moving from that level into designer, I was like, I cannot believe I'm spending this much on clothes. Oh my God, what am I doing? I can't, like, it was like, I, I went through my own tumult over it. How dare I? I don't deserve this. And literally people were saying to me, you are a stylist, Christine. You have to show up as super stylish, you know? And I'm like, oh, oh my God, oh my God, you know? So I try to stay really close to my own resistance, notice my own resistance, 
notice what I go through when I'm in the middle of an up level so that I can support my clients to get through that. But it can be super strong, you know, and a lot of it's around spending the money. It's usually either I don't have time or I don't have money, right? Like those are the two big things that people are sort of like, I can't do that. I don't have time for that. Or I don't have, you know, the money for it. Now, what I will say is, and I'll just use myself as an example again, um, you know, I've got 27 pieces of clothing in my, in my wardrobe, right? So, uh, you know, when you think about the actual cost per wear of each article of clothing, I don't have very much in there, but each and every piece is exquisite and extraordinary. And I want to wear it all the time. And I have no problem wearing something over and over and over and over again, if I absolutely love it. There was an amazing article in the Wall Street Journal, uh, just a couple of days ago about this concept of cost per wear and sort of moving towards, you know, instead of buying the like cheap thing that costs $50 that we wear once, let's think about the nice, you know, beautiful thing that's going to actually last us longer. Because if you wear that nice, beautiful thing, you know, the cost per that wear is actually less than, you know, the cheap piece, but it's, it's a lot to wrap the head around. Um, what I will say is that in terms of embodiment, it makes a huge difference. I'm, I'm thinking of one specific client who gave me a lot of trouble over, uh, and when I say gave me a lot of trouble, I say that with a lot of love. She's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> she gave me a lot of trouble over spending more money on a single piece. And she was just like, you know, well, but I'm just going to buy from Target. And I'm just, and I was like, okay, I'm like, try this. And she was like, okay, but I'm going to buy from here. And like, we just like kept going around in circles. And she finally got a higher quality piece and she, she put it on and, and was like, Oh my God. Like she was like an immediate convert, immediate convert, because the quality of fabric against your skin is simply not attainable with your cheap mass market pieces. It's just not. And when you have like a silk or a cotton or like, oh, it's just like so delicious. <laughs> hear it in my voice. I'm like, yes, look, getting out of the masculine and into the fest. Like, oh my God, it feels so good, you know? And she turned into with all of my other clients. Cause I, I keep a client group because I believe in women supporting, supporting one another. And so I like my clients to have access to one another and create community around the discipline of beauty, you know, and she just became this person with all the other clients. It was like, do it, do it. Like Christine says, spend the money. You have to do it. It's worth it. It's worth it. You know? And I was like, oh, it's great. <laughs> so yeah. Such a beautiful example of when we go through our resistance, we find such passion and delight and advocacy on the other side. And I completely agree with you. One of the skirts that we bought, um, that I bought when I was using your services, and I thank you so much for that. I probably wear that thing two or three times a week. It is yeah. an instant mood lifter. And so already the cost per wear is maybe five, ten dollars, even though it's a high, yeah. very high-end piece. Yeah. So I absolutely love that. And you could say the return on investment, how much money are you yes. making in that skirt, right? <laughs> yes. Like I love I love that skirt. It always makes me feel so sparkly and so fantastic and really held. The material is just mm. so amazing. And it it seems to be a very much a parallel to relationship. You know, you can go on 50 first dates a year if you want. Absolutely. Or you can curate the people that you want to spend time with and you can attract the people that are really going to enhance your value and see your light and see your worth mm -hmm. and make you feel really luscious and sumptuous by taking the time to really honor and, and drop in with you. And I think you had posted something in your Facebook group and we can put that group in the show notes about the importance of having 
uh, I don't, I'm not going to say the words right. It's not about a signature style because that is part of it, but it's about getting off trends and getting more to like a global curated signature aspect of yourself. And it kind of reminds me of what I tell my clients about not spending all their time on online dating. It's kind of like, well, don't spend all your time in Zara and chasing trends and chasing colors. So can you tell a little bit more about your philosophy related to that? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the, it's shifted the way that we shop has shifted. And so it used to be that the manufacturers taught us what to wear through seasonal trends. So it would be like, oh, what do I wear? What do I wear? Well, you know, all the designers are coming out with red for this season and okay, great. Then I buy my red piece. Now, because of fast fashion, um, which is the, the mass marketization of clothing, uh, which also is, is a severe labor issue, but you know, that's a, that's a different point. So let me stay on track. Um, you know, um, so, so because, because of that designers are now coming out with six collections a year, 10 collections a year, 12 collections a year, instead of just the traditional four. So the clothes are in and out of stores at a rapid rate that we have not been, I wasn't used, you know, I'm not used to that from growing up in it, but it's, it's completely changed. So there's, that has become really rapid. The second thing that's happening is because it's so rapid, we don't have a distinct look for a time period anymore. If you go back to the sixties, there's a look. If you go back to the seventies, there's a look. The eighties have a look going into the 90s, mid 90s, late 90s, and now where we are now, it's like just recycling multiple looks, multiple looks, multiple looks. And in addition to that, we now have access through online shopping to collections and designers from all over the world. So like I'm in the middle of discovering great brands in Australia, you know, which is really exciting and fun. But what this means is that the ordinary consumer and the ordinary woman who, whose specialty is not styling herself, and nor should it be, we have experts for that, you know, be, do, do, what you, do what you're amazing at and hire other people to solve the rest of your problems. That's what I believe, right? <laughs> it's like, just hire, hire services, you know, who are like good at what they do. Um, so the ordinary woman is just drowning, drowning in ideas, new pieces, seasons, all over the world, online shop, like it's, there's so much information out there that it is completely challenging to move your way through. And so how do you make sense of that when trends aren't really a thing anymore? That's, it's an old idea that isn't actually pertinent to what's happening. And so I am replacing that idea with the idea of curating and the idea of the capsule wardrobe, right? So instead of trends teaching you, it's you set the authentic signature style and you let that be your guide for how you shop and you create the, and and so I I provide my clients with this capsule wardrobe system, which is, I give them a certain amount of pieces and I give them, you know, within those pieces, a certain amount of categories. You just have to fill, it's almost paint by numbers. You have to fill those, fill those pieces fill those categories. Now, sometimes my artists come to me and they're like, I don't want that kind of structure. And I'm like, you don't have to have it forever, you know, learn the system. And then you make up how many pieces you want. Like, you know, it's about, um, you know, when you think about modern artists, uh, so Picasso painted lifelike, or not Picasso, I'm sorry, Mondrian painted lifelike representations of trees for a long, long time, a decade before he went into abstract expressionism. So, you know, learn the structure. And then once you have the base, you can do whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? Um, But anyway, the, the idea of curation instead of trends is 
it is the authentic signature style that guides your shopping experience instead of just purchasing from the trends. So now you know what your style is, you know your proportions, your colors, you know all of the different things that we put into creating an authentic signature style. And I give my, my clients you know, that guideline. And what happens for them is shopping is harder and then it becomes easier. It's harder at first because they're used to going into the store and saying, oh, I like that let me grab it and buy it. But that's, that creates chaos in the wardrobe. So it's harder because you walk in and you're like, oh my God, only 5% of the things in this store are things that I can actually wear that are relevant for me. And that can feel really overwhelming. But then once my clients move through that, they come into a place of like, oh wow, this is so much easier because instead of having to make decision, 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 it's just like, I know I need a caps boat, you know, you know, cap sleeve, boat neck, you know, this color blue, you know, for me and a pair of white pants and a this, and then, you know, I'm good. And it just like brings all the decision fatigue down and helps people make sense of the massive amount of information that's out there. Absolutely. And it is about that transformation instead of just information and giving them a smaller amount to still pick from. It's still like picking berries. They're not, you know, hunting, they're still picking and it's in a more enjoyable experience versus feeling so overwhelmed. Yeah. And shopping should be pleasurable, you know, mm-hmm. it should be pleasurable. It's like grab some dark chocolate, you know, very healthy, <laughs> of course, over 70% cacao, have a sparkling <laughs> water, you know, put a little coconut oil massage on yourself before you go in, let it dry. So you're not ruining those silk clothes and just like <laughs> go in, go into the dressing room, you know, be alone, feel into your body, feel what the fabric feels like in your skin. Like, look at your skin. Are you lighting up? You know, right now it's like, you know, the dressing room is like a torture chamber for women. It's like they go in and they're like, oh my God, I don't look good. And it's like, you know, instead of doing that, just like, how does it feel on your body? Like relax into it, like have a pleasurable experience of artistic exploration instead of overwhelm, shutting down, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yes. And I can always tell when my clients send me their online dating profiles for me to, you know, review and help them with, there'll be pictures that my clients think are amazing pictures because structurally maybe they, they look great, but if I can't feel the energy and the softness and the beauty radiating from them and the uh, approachability, then it doesn't, it doesn't jive. But sometimes with ourselves, we can't see our own blind spots. So we're looking at our behavior or our style or our relationship through the lens of, external approval versus what feels good. And then we, you know, we kind of miss the mark and we're not sure why. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's an energy. It's an energy. And that's why my clients make all this money after they get styled. <laughs> you know? It's like exactly yes. what you're saying. You're like, they come to you for love and then they get a promotion because it's just an energy. And I mean, research has tried to quantify this, but it's hard to quantify energy. I mean, we know you know, through the research that people who have style, quote unquote, make 30% more income over their lives. But like, what does that, what does that statistic really mean? And how do we quantify that? And in some ways it's, it's a really hard thing to sell because, you know, it's, it's, it's like a tricky thing to say to a woman, like, you're going to put a dress on and all of a sudden you're going to make money. It's like the logical mind is like, how does that work? You know, like, (laughs) tell me the formula. And it's not logical. It's not, it's an energy shift, you know, it's just, it's, it's a feeling of bliss. It's, it is exactly what you're saying. It's like that, that pleasure that emanates from you. And, and, and it's not, 
yeah, I mean, that's a, that's, again, it's just, that's a hard thing. How do you quantify that? You know? Well, one of the philosophers that I love, Ken Wilbur, who developed integral theory, he uses the metric of the good, the true, and the beautiful. Mm. So if something is going to be in your life, it needs to meet at least one, but ideally all three of those qualities. And the good, the true, and the beautiful is something that we sense. We can logically describe something as good, um, but to logically describe something as true or beautiful really misses the mark. And that's where the our moral compass comes in, but our aesthetic compass comes in. It's interesting how people have different values, but I think as a society, we are moving to close, closer towards the aesthetic as being a really strong value because we do have most of our basic needs met and we are searching for deeper, truer expression of ourselves and of our life purpose, which happens aesthetically in many ways through mm-hmm. visuals. What is the, t- what is the, statistic? Uh, the statistic? It's like, we only remember a certain amount of what we hear, but what we see really lasts with us much longer for most people. Beautiful. I love that. And I love like putting it back on the social level because I think a lot of women feel like a failure because they don't have this skill of dressing themselves and making themselves beautiful. And, you know, my thing is like, well, why would you? I mean, you know, we, we weren't, we weren't taught this as a value generationally. I mean, I don't know which generation had this value, maybe our grandparents, maybe our great grandparents, but something broke, you know, something broke there. And, um, it was in fact looked down upon as, uh, you know, I think, I think in women's quest to, um, create revolution and to create a space for women to be able to be fully expressed. It was like, in some ways, the natural things to, to us as women that we, that we care about had to be left behind. And, and now we're reclaiming that we're bringing that back. I mean, um, I don't think it's the same and, and I don't like to be so essentialist, you know, and, and I want to foreshadow this by saying, you know, I think that this is not necessarily always gender correlated, right? Like you can be a man and have feminine energy and and really want to adorn yourself. But there is something about the feminine energy person who has a natural desire to adorn herself, right? To to be uh, like a, a beautiful flower and to be viewed and witnessed by the masculine energy, right? That witnessing that happens. And it's really interesting because a lot of times I will talk to men and they'll just get this without, you know, like I talk to women and they're like, oh, but I can't like, you know, my beauty, like they have like all this consternation around their own sense of beauty and allowing their self to feel beautiful, that that somehow is, um, is uh, uh, dilettante-like, right? It's, it's like a dilettante allows herself to be beautiful or it's, it's, it's you know, it shouldn't be a priority. And then men sort of have this kind of like, well, of course, of course a woman should, should take all this time on her, on her beauty, you know, you know, and I also just want to give a shout out to, you know, our, our women of color who are listening to this call. I mean, I think that um, women of color uniquely have always, have always sort of understood this critical importance of, of dressing oneself well. I mean, I think about, you know, black churches and the tradition of dressing for church on Sunday and the, the big hats, you know, I lived in Harlem for a long time and Sundays were fabulous because you just walk down the street, these big hats. But I think, um, you know, women of color have always understood that under racism, a strategy of survival, a, strat- a literal strategy of survival was beauty right? And strategic beauty so that sometimes you would cover yourself so that the plantation owner wouldn't see you. And other times when you're with in your safe 
black church on Sunday in your safe uh, uh, community um, where you would shine, 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 right? So, um, so I think there's a lot to be learned there from the tradition of, of women of, of color and how, uh, how they, they have dressed themselves over the centuries of oppression. Thank you so much for bringing that in. It's a really important point. And I love the remembrance of what people have had to go through in order to reclaim their own beauty, including this idea of adornment. And what does it mean when we adorn ourselves? Will it draw attention to ourselves? Is it worth the risk in quotations? And adornment in particular, I think sometimes gets misconstrued because we think that it's for the other person. But most of the time, healthy adornment, from my expression of it and, and interaction of it, is about really just expressing ourselves in the deepest, purest, truest, and most authentic way. And you can feel that when someone is wearing something because they love it and they don't give a crap what anyone thinks versus when someone is wearing it because they think it will help them fit in or they think yeah. it will help them get attention. Yeah. And so when I talk about sensual embodiment with my clients, we do talk about adornment. So obviously we've talked about clothes, but can you just share more like philosophically, but also practically, what is adornment to you? Mm, great question. I think to me, it's a language, you know, it's, it's really a language. It's a way to speak to yourself, speak back to yourself. And it's also a way to speak to others and, and connect with others. There's a, you know, as an anthropologist, you think about symbols and signaling belonging and membership. And I, that's always something that really, you know, comes to me. Um, I lived in Hawaii for a couple of years and um, people who came out from the mainland, you know, people think that Hawaii has a very just relaxed visual code and you can just wear whatever you want. It's not true. There's actually like a really, really clear way to dress in Hawaii and it, and it, and it looks super relaxed and beachy, but there's actually some things that go into it that are, are very um, strict. And so people would come out from the mainland and they would like over casual, right? And it, and it, and it was out of place and it was sort of, it immediately marked people as outsiders, right? And so um, in, you know, I think there's a lot of like, you know, people kind of mock teenagers for this, like, oh, teenager, you know, I worked with teens for a long time. So I'm always sort of trying to, you know, protect the teen and the social image, because I think they're so fabulous. It's just such an amazing uh, age for exploration and identity. And, um, you know, so people say, well, why, why do you have to have those baggy pants? Or, you know, why do you have to have that t-shirt? And it's because humans have always wanted to belong. We've always wanted to signal that we are a part of something. Now, that can be used dangerously for exclusion, right? But it's, in its it, I like how you say the healthy expression, and it's healthiest expression. It's about connection, which is what lang a language is. A language is a way to, I'm going to share with you who I am so that you can see my heart and I can see your heart and clothing um, clothing is a part of that. And then, so that's the, the part where we're speaking to others. And then when we're speaking to ourselves, it's a mirroring back to us of how we feel about ourselves. You know, when I am, you know, dressed in a way, or I've, I, my hair is in a certain state, or my skin is in a certain state, um, that doesn't feel good to me. When I see myself in the mirror and have that mirror moment, it's like, oh, 
I'm not value. I'm not valuing me. I'm not taking care of me. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking back to myself, but when I am, as I am today, wearing this beautiful ruffled dress that I love so much, or I, you know, I've done my hair, like I've got, you know, I wear very minimal makeup, but the makeup that I wear, I love. I'm so into it. You know, it looks so pretty. It's like when I, when I've adorned myself, it's like, Oh, I took that time for me. That's what I'm saying to myself. I took that time for me it's that, you know, I love that you talk about your pleasure path. And in a way, I almost feel like this is like a little mini daily pleasure. Did you call it pleasure, pleasure journey, pleasure? Pleasure quests. Yeah. Pleasure quest. yeah it's like that. we have rich rituals, which help us stay on the pleasure path and which uh, invite opportunity and mystery and fun and uh, oh keep going, God. keep going. Yes. Beautiful. I absolutely love that. I feel like getting dressed that those, that time for adornment in the morning is a little mini pleasure quest every day. And it's like, wow, I, I look, I look beautiful. You know, I look great. I, I feel great. I've, I've practiced self-care. I've practiced pleasure, you know, and, um, and then it's a reminder throughout the day too. It's like you get your mid-afternoon slump, hopefully not because you're drinking your water and staying, <laughs> staying off caffeine, which is an ongoing journey of mine is to cut down on the caffeine, you know, but it's like three o'clock, you're feeling a little crappy and you look down and there's something beautiful on you, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yay, <laughs> you know, just like, yay, I'm still, I'm still in it. I'm still in it, you know. And the memory too, you know, I have some jewelry that I just love because I think of all the times that I've worn it and all the memories that I made while wearing it and the people that were around me when wearing it. And that gives me a sense of, of familiarity that feels really nurturing sometimes when you're doing something big or scary or that yes. you're getting outside of your energetic comfort zone. Yes, yes, yes. Beautiful. And one of the things I say to women is on their, when we're creating their authentic signature style, like put, put pictures of your mother on if that feels good to you, you know, put pictures of your grandmother, your ancestors, like what were they wearing? How can we, you know, create a generational lineage? I had a client who put a picture of her grandmother in this beautiful polka dot dress. And it was like, great, let's get you a blouse with polka dot. You know, I was always looking for polka dots for her. How can we bring that in and a scarf or a dress or something just to have that kind of resonance? And, and that's part of that identity building. And you're right. It is about, it is about memories. And, you know, when I work with clients to clear their closets, which is a, a huge part, uh, a huge energetic, um, shift for them, right? They sort of dump all the old energy and get ready to bring in the new energy. Although what I always warn is um, don't clear your closet before you have a signature style because you're just going to repeat bad habits, right? But when, I, when we clear the closet, sometimes people are like, well, I'm not going to wear this, but I love it. And it reminds me. And it's like, it's a memento. You hang it, you know, you, you find, find a place for it to be shown. I had a client who uh, was uh, of Pakistani um, lineage and she was like, what about all the saris? What about all this, the scarves? You know, the beautiful. It's like, well, first of all, they're sitting in the back of your closet, not being seen by anybody. You know what I mean? So like, how much are you really valuing your cultural heritage? Get it out. You know, we, we worked out a way for her to incorporate it into her Western style dress and we hung some on the wall. We put it out to be displayed. It's like, you know, to live with that beautiful history around you um, creates so much pleasure in the body. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I always ask guests what brings them pleasure. So oh. would you mind sharing with us <laughs> what oh. brings you pleasures big and small? Mm, I love that question so much. You know, I mean, I gotta say, I'm you know, I'm I'm back in Los Angeles after um, I've been bouncing back and forth from the East Coast to LA 
uh, over over a couple of decades. And uh, being back in LA is really bringing me pleasure. The sunshine, the artistry, you know, that's just every day. I'm just so, so grateful to wake up and see mountains and sunshine. So that makes me really happy and brings me pleasure. Um, I'm doing a lot with scent right now. So I, I am using scent to really keep myself supported in the feminine and uh, unlock different experiences. Um, God, it brings me so much pleasure to like just have on a fabulous outfit. I, it just really makes me happy. I'm doing a lot with color right now. I've been experimenting with that in my, um, you know, in my in my dressing. And if if you'll permit me a small story, um, not that we dress for men, but <laughs> I went on a date recently and the guy talked about how much passion he'd missed in his life. And I was like, passion? I can be passionate. So I, I wore an all color outfit. I wore red pants, beautiful red flowing pants from Alice and Olivia and this great blue cobalt, you know, shirt. And I felt passionate, you know, I was like, oh, like it just like made me feel so, you know, engaged. And, and I had more pleasure on that date because I felt, you know, this like incredible emotion um, and the last thing is, you know, movement. I mean, I know you and I both share a passion for movement and, um, yeah, just everyday movement, making sure that I'm, you know, just like really expressing my curves and my deliciousness and like allowing myself that just brings me so much daily pleasure. Yeah. Mm, I love those pleasures, Christine. Those are delicious. And I love how you articulated this gift we get to give the masculine. And that's probably a a strange subject to be talking about at these times because a lot of us have have had things taken from us from the masculine collectively but we have a great opportunity to gift the masculine simply through being in our pleasure simply through being in our feminine including adorning ourselves including taking time to care for ourselves and what you've expressed is how you you woke this person up you woke the masculine up through providing a different visual and energetic experience for him so it's a really beautiful opportunity i feel for the feminine to awaken the masculine so yes we can stand there crossing our arms and tapping our feet and say like why aren't you waking up and you've been doing all these things and you need to dismantle the patriarchy and blah 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 and i I agree, men need to take responsibility. So I'm not abdicating their responsibility. But I think we don't always realize as women that in the simplest things, we can offer the most profound gift, making eye contact with a man that you find attractive or flirting a little bit or dressing in a way that provides some visual beauty. It's not our responsibility, but it's a huge opportunity to help awaken the masculine to cherish what's beautiful and to protect what's beautiful instead of pillaging and doing these other things. Now, of course, we need healthy boundaries and we need to not put ourselves out there in a way that feels like we're going to be manipulated. But what I find is that the deeper we go into our feminine, the safer that we feel actually in the world because our inherent beauty and our inherent value is communicated. And that's something that is respected. And when there's any sort of interference or static or noise that it might not be respected, we can very quickly shift into a different situation or really stand up for ourselves in a fierce way. Ironically, the more feminine I've become or the more in touch I've become with my feminine energy, the more that I can set healthy boundaries, the more I can bring that fierce feminine when I need to. Mm. So not to go on a tangent, but I just liked what you shared about that specific example of the date is that never underestimate how a small act of self-love or beauty can actually contribute contribute to awakening the masculine as an act of service and an act of devotion to yourself, but yeah. also to, to showing yourself in the world and that little small risk of being seen. Yeah, that's right. That's amazing. I absolutely 
I love every single word of what you just said, Violet. It's so incredible. I'm actually going to re-listen to this, this podcast because I think it's really brilliant and beautiful. And, and I love what you're expressing here. You know, and what I'll say is that, you know, my healing journey, like all women, has been pretty profound in the area of sexuality and sensual, you know, sensual expression. And I came from a really, you know, tough place that, um, you know, it's, it's beyond the scope of this specific conversation. But I've, I've had a lot of healing work to do around my sexuality. And what I'll say is that, like, through, as a healed woman, in a space of having, having better boundaries, although I'm always working on it, I love to play with my sexuality and the male gaze because it actually now doesn't feel threatening. It feels really safe. You know, I, I don't do it with all men. I do it with men who feel good and feel safe to me energetically. But then I, I love to get to play with my sexuality. And that's, and that is part of the adornment. You know, what do I want to look like on, I'm calling in my partner, you know, what do I want to look like on my dates? You know, what kinds of conversations do I want to have around sexuality? Um, and then I like to work with this with my clients, you know, like, you know, who, who are you in your lingerie? What kind of lingerie do you want to be wearing? You know, are you going to access your like inner dominatrix and do a little leather? Or are you going to access your like inner like femme lacy, like, or, you know, a little bit like, you know, refined and do a lot of lace and, and that's always a really beautiful thing. And I'll just share this tip. This is one of my favorite tips to give, to give to women, you know, um, uh, a lot of women in colder places tend to wear a lot of black. Um, and I'm sure you, you do this work with your clients, but they tend to wear a lot of black during the winter. And so one of the things I like to say is like, play with your lingerie, play with your underwear. Like you can be in the office in all black, but like have some like great red panties on, you know? And then you're like, I am so delicious underneath my all black outfit, you know? And Especially if those red panties match your red heels. <laughs> <laughs> totally totally yeah but yeah it's you know um you know I'm still working through and learning from you and from other experts in the field you know the relationship of the feminine and masculine but it does seem to me that the masculine accesses beauty through us right and so when you are in a healed space or healing space and when you are in a space of healthy boundaries to give that gift and to allow the man to access beauty through your personal adornment can be so pleasurable it can be so 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 pleasurable yeah yes well, I have loved having you as a guest, Christine. It's just lit me up and made me feel so excited about all the women that we both serve. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to take uh, 30 seconds or a minute or so and just share more about your services and how yeah. women can find you? And then we will put your website and all of that in the show notes. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, so my platform is called the Brazen Beauty Movement, and I currently have two sets of services. Um, I have services for women, busy, busy, busy women on the go who need me to do the work for them. Uh, and so I, I show up for them and I, I do a pre-shop and create a dressing room. Uh, and so that's, if you're, you know, traveling a lot and, and you, you, you want me to, to do more of the act of styling for you, um, that is available to you. And then the other service I provide um, is a really fabulous uh, style consultation program, uh, which is online and women can access it from all over the world. We've had women from Canada and Australia and all sorts of like interesting places. Um, And that uh, that is the same process. And that is 
uh, very appealing to women who want to lead the process themselves, um, who have the who have more of the time. We set it up for busy professional women, but who have more of the time to be able to do that, go into the store themselves, look for the pieces themselves. Um, some women are really wanting to do that because they want to, uh, you know, uh, have their inner artists get worked out in that way. Um, and we provide support through a personal shopper and all of those, those things. So you don't have to drown in the stores by yourself. We're there with you every minute of, of the time. So that is another service that's available. Uh, and both of them walk women through a process of, of stepping into their, um, their beauty and, um, uh, creating a capsule wardrobe. So you, you leave with a set of clothes and we, we don't just talk about it. We make sure you actually have those things. Uh, I am on Facebook, so I have a free public Facebook group called the Brazen Beauty Movement, so women can search and find me there. Um, they can contact me at Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, at brazenbeautymovement.com. And I'm trying to think, I think that is it. I'm on Instagram. My Insta isn't like so fabulous yet. We'll get there. Christine Malsbury. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Thank you so much. We'll make sure that all of that goes in the show notes so that anyone Thank can you. find Christine and her wonderful services. I am a huge fan. I think I cried when I walked into the dressing room that you had set up for me. It was so beautiful. And then I was floating in a cloud of bliss when I wore those clothes to Paris for my year-long programs mastermind. So thank you for being such an mm. important part of my year, visually and, and energetically and friend-wise as well. Mm. You're such a dream. You're such a dream to work with. And it's just such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being oh. who you are. You touch everyone around you. You're just so full of light. So it's, it's a joy to know you. Yeah. Thank you, Christine, for sharing your time and your heart and your beauty and inspiring all of us to be even more uh, brazen and beautiful and adorned. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in and turning on for Healthy Love. Because better relationships mean more power, more creativity, and a better planet. I'm here to end the suffering of abuse and loneliness, and it starts with you. Please subscribe to my show and leave a review. If you want more love, pleasure, and power in your life, go to violetlang.com forward slash talk. That's violetlang.com forward slash talk to sign up for a free Breakthrough to Love call. These are special deep dives only for women who are committed and ready for lasting love. If that's you, book your time now with me or my team.